You're listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, Around Atlanta edition. Showcasing the best of Metro Atlanta, our communities, the attractions, and the special events that make Atlanta great. Welcome to our virtual town square. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the Around Atlanta edition. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my co-host and friend, Carol Morgan. Before we kick things off, we do want to thank New American Funding for being our 2021 show sponsor. Now our 10th year on the air, it has been great having them as our partner. All right, Carol, we've had this organization on the show before. It was such important work. It's so important, especially this time and place. So looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to be outside right now and looking forward to being a little bit warmer in Atlanta so we can all get outside more. We're joined today by Michael Hallecky. He is the executive director with Park Pride, and they are the Atlanta-based nonprofit that engages communities to activate the power of parks. So we're going to be talking a lot about green space and parks today. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. Uh, Pleasure's ours, Michael. Appreciate uh, you carving out a few minutes for us and joining us. I know you're busy, so grateful for the time. Before we get into the important work of Park Pride, take a, a few seconds and tell us a bit about you and your background. Sure. So I've worked for a number of different environmental causes, and I came to Park Pride thinking of Park Pride as an environmental organization. And I will share that over time, I've been an executive director for the past seven years, but I've really come to realize that Park Pride and our mission to engage communities to activate the power of parks is about people as much as it is about parks. And I've found that in my time at Park Pride, I've kind of been won over that I initially saw kind of the people side as a means to an end, um, as someone who cares about the planet and the environment and making a difference locally. But seeing the impact that the organization has in bringing communities together, getting to the point that people know their neighbors, they get to enrich their community, I've come to see is really the something that sets Park Pride apart. And it's a part that I've really come to appreciate over time. So I um, have a family, wife and two kids live in the Ormwood Park area. I also do a lot of posting on Instagram and on Facebook of going out to different parks. So I can share with you plenty of statistics and I'll do so today, but I also encourage people to check out both Park Pride and me personally on Facebook because I'm always going to different parks and finding different places and dragging my family on the weekends. We were just out doing service projects just recently as well. So there's a lot of different reasons to be outdoors, and I really practice what I preach. There's so many cool little pocket parks in Atlanta, yeah. and especially when you say you live in Ormwood Park, that's one of them. Yeah. So I don't know that everybody really always appreciates or understands, you know, what we have in Atlanta, and it's getting better and better, you know, yeah. with all the connectivity and the trails and more parks, and I'm just excited about it. So with that, dive a little bit more into Park Pride and its mission sure. and vision. So Park Pride's been around for over 30 years, and we engage communities to activate the power of parks. But the way that we work is uh, we help to create friends of the park groups and to support friends. And these are groups that get involved in the park near where they're at and help to make them better. So they'll go out there to do service projects. We provide grant funding for park improvements, and that includes uh, beautification and uh, park bench as well as larger scale investments of trails and playgrounds um, and all kinds of different things. So we believe that a great park is not something that is defined by a landscape architect or a park professional. 
Uh, neighbors define what is a great park for them. Neighbors also change in terms of the demographics of the people that live around a park. So a park that might have met the community's needs at one point might change as different families move in and there's different ages and interests and things along those lines. So we have a staff of 13. Uh, we are a locally based group, so we're not part of a national group. And we work in the city of Atlanta, DeKalb County, as well as the cities of, of Tucker and Brookhaven. And so we have worked with those local governments. And our role is really to connect community with their parks. So we work kind of between government and the community and help to create these friends groups that get involved and really want to be the change they wish to see in the world. There are other parts of the country that parks are much uh, more generously funded than what we see here. But the advantage that I think we have is, number one, we live in a lush, you know, kind of forested area. So we have a lot of a natural environment going for us. But also with Park Pride's model, we encourage people to be a part of their parks and really to help to make the parks meet their needs in a way that they actually have more involvement and an opportunity to claim that park than what you might see in other cities. It's interesting. As we record this, I've recently finished books about Robert Moses and what he was doing in New York. I've, I'm in the midst of a book on Teddy Roosevelt, and we know how important the outdoor spaces were yeah. to him and the, and the advances he made in his administration. And then just thinking about this show, this is our 10th year on the air, and, and gosh, in year one, Carol, we, we didn't talk about green space very much. Now we talk about it all the time. And now it's like the first thing people mention as, a, as an amenity and a benefit to their community. So it's really interesting to see how it's evolved even, even recently. Uh-huh. So talk about, Michael, the, the importance of these public spaces, these green spaces, and, and especially in light of the fact that we're all still on the uh, near the end of this pandemic. We use the term the power of parks. And one of the things that I think is interesting is people think of parks as fairly simple. It's not rocket science, but in fact, parks are incredibly complex because they do a lot of different things. And you have large nature preserves, you have parks that have basketball and baseball diamonds and things along those lines. You have water parks that have splash pads and pools. You have disc golf parks, you have dog parks. So when you think about all the different uh, uses that parks provide, they provide a number of different activities for people to do in parks. They also provide a number of different natural benefits. From a habitat standpoint, there are islands that make it so nature um, have places to go. And so they're part of our uh, tapestry that we have between backyard habitat and then these nature parks and things along those lines that connect uh, the natural world. You have trails that in many respects are linear parks. So I really love trails because from a real estate standpoint, they actually are the most catalytic because they're these narrow areas that connect neighborhoods to retail. They connect parks to other parks. They connect schools. And so they provide that connective tissue that make it so that people can go to a green space and be connected to them. So parks do a number of different things. The other thing is parks change in the way that we use them. And we've seen that during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, we've actually seen, and by some studies looking at cell phone data, um, have found that there's a 60% increase in park usage. And so as people aren't going to the office, they're going to grocery stores around the same frequency, but at different times, but their trips have really uh, lessened. They're going to their parks more, but they're also going to different parks than they were going to before the pandemic. There's a saying of Yogi Berra that I'm a fond of, that nobody goes there anymore, it's too crowded. And so during the pandemic, where people don't want to go to a place where you're shoulder to shoulder, 
you're also looking at places that you can go in your neighborhood. And one of the more frequent uh, things that I've heard from residents are there's this park close to where I live and I never knew it was there before the pandemic. So people are discovering these different parks and there's a way that the, like what's the most important park has kind of, uh, it's spread out much more so than where it was in the past, where it used to be that you would mention parks and people would mention the Beltline, they would mention Piedmont Park. Now they know their neighborhood parks. And we've seen that with our grant program where we have a community-based effort that provides grants for park improvements. Uh, this past year, we uh, and we just announced in January, $1.3 million of awards, but we had $2 million of requests and they were all from friends groups. And it was people going out and looking at parks in their neighborhood and saying, I'd like to be a part of the change I'd like to see in the world. My park could use a little bit of love. And I want to make this a better place, not just as a park, but actually to make my neighborhood a better place. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to come back to that $1.3 million in improvements and grants. But, you know, with everything that's happened with COVID, it just seems like people do have a renewed interest in the outdoors, as well Mm -hmm. as, you know, health and wellness. And in some ways, it's been really, really good for society to have people kind of think about themselves and think about their place in the world and their health and wellness. Talk a little bit about the impact of green space on health and wellness. So my favorite story on this comes from a researcher named Ming Kuo, and she tells the story of, and I think of it in Atlanta, we have Zoo Atlanta, which is a great zoo, and one of the things that people know most about Zoo Atlanta is their primate habitat. So the silverback gorillas live in an area that approximates their natural environment, but that wasn't always the case. So folks that have been in Atlanta for a while remember stories of Willie B., And Willie B, before Willie B was released into this nature area, used to sit behind bars and watch TV. And that was the story of the Atlanta Zoo was Willie B, who was this, you know, kind of this ape that was sitting there watching TV. Well, looking at zoos and not just looking at primate habitat, but looking more broadly, the reason that you've seen this movement in zoos to approximate natural habitat isn't just because it's a better experience for the visitors. It's actually better for the animals. They live longer, they're healthier when they live in their natural environment. And so there's a parallel with that, that human beings through most of our evolution were outdoors. We were in nature and people are, they're wired genetically through through evolution to crave the outdoors. And so when we don't receive that access to nature, it has physical, social, and psychological impacts because we're removed from our natural state of being. And so the way that I look at it, and this is also true within urban parks. So as Atlanta has grown as a city and people have time in an urban environment, they need to get out in nature. And again, that's where I really love trails as an example, where you can walk, you can bike, but you can have this experience of getting out in nature in a city. And I think that Atlanta, again, is blessed as a, not just a city in the forest, but we're really a region in the forest. We're blessed with this effusive nature all around us. But in order to leverage that for your benefits, you need to go outside. And so we try to make it easy to encourage folks to get outside close to where they live. And for that matter, once you get the bug from checking out nature, you'll find that all those different elements of power of parks, you'll find different types of parks you never even knew were out there. So it's a great experience, but it's also good medicine that people really need that access to green space for health and well-being, and parks play an important role on that front. Yeah, if you're honest with yourself, 
there's something rejuvenating about being outside. Even yeah. for me, I live in I live in the heart of Chicago. I'm in the Chicago Loop, and even when I walk several blocks through the downtown, uh, it feels good to be outside and just get right. out there and, and just and see people and movement. I mean, it's just it's just good for the soul. So yeah. And then you really treasure the parks in a place like where I am. All right. So the goal of Park Pride isn't just to make people understand it's important to be outside. There's actual uh, rubber in the road on terms right. of uh, improving these parks. So you mentioned these 1.3 million in grants. Uh, talk more about that. And and there's like 19 communities that are benefiting from That's that. Right. Uh, so go into that. So again, with the idea that everyone deserves access to a park, we really try to provide services and support so that communities can get involved in making their parks um, meet their needs. And we believe that those types of services shouldn't just be available for the larger parks that have conservancies and paid staff, but parks of various different sizes all throughout our community. So over the past 30 years, we've developed a series of different programs. One of the first ones is something called the Fiscal Sponsorship Program. That makes it so that people can actually raise restricted dollars just for their park through Park Pride. And we allow people to use our uh, 501c3 tax status so that they can get a tax deduction for any of those contributions. You don't need to create your own nonprofit. You can use ours. So that's the first step. But those dollars also help you to unlock dollars that are provided by foundations. And much like foundations in Atlanta help to support some of the larger parks like Piedmont Park, the Atlanta Beltline. They also provide funding to Park Pride for a regranting program. And so we provide those dollars to local communities or their neighborhood parks that might not have access to those different types of groups. And we provide kind of that, that funding source for those different groups. So this is something that we do on an annual basis. And we help groups learn how to write a grant, both to try to be successful in getting a grant from Park Pride, but also to help them so that we're kind of a safe space for communities to learn a lot of folks that have worked on a park before have never written a grant before. They've never improved a park. So we help communities figure out how those, those types of things work, and we provide a safe environment so that they can be successful. I often say with groups that groups are told no, uh, but here not yet are those that prevail over time. And so part of this isn't the idea with our grant program of telling folks who need not apply. Everybody should apply and everyone will be successful if they continue to work at it. So we try to make sure that throughout our service area that groups have access to these dollars. We provide coaching assistance. We go out and meet with the communities. So the community representatives meet with us and a person from the government partner, so City of Atlanta or DeKalb County. And it's a great experience. We have some folks who have gotten promotions at work because they've gotten involved as leaders in their neighborhood to help with their park and found that actually helps them figure out their way outside of their volunteer activity. There's some that have found uh, paid jobs within kind of the, the parks and green space community. So it's an open program. Part of, I think, Park Pride's magic is that we believe that your good ideas throughout the community are the big ideas. So we're not there to tell communities what they need. We're there to listen. And then we try to provide help and support along the way. And through a combination of raising your own dollars and then tapping into that grant pool, great things happen in parks all on our service area. Ready to take the next step in becoming a homeowner? New American Funding can make it happen. New American Funding is a nationally recognized direct lender for residential home loans. Real estate agents and builders love New American Funding because of their in-house processing. 14 business day close guarantee and the servicing of their loans. 
They will work tirelessly to help you achieve home ownership, backed by thousands of five-star reviews from their customers and with convenient branch locations. More and more residents trust them to close their loans on time. Call New American Funding at 678-898-3540 to start your home buying journey today. I know you're excited about a lot of things for 2021, but you know, you've awarded these 19 community park projects. You want to give us kind of the highlights of two or three of them? Well, I'll share one of the biggest things that's happened this year. And this year was a wake-up call in a number of different ways. And I really talk about the fact that we've really faced uh, three cascading threats, one of which has been public health with COVID. The second one is really looking at the economic downturn as, as things have contracted, that we've been facing different challenges. And that's been tough because People are using parks more than ever before, but even Park Pride has had to tighten our belts and our government partners have had to tighten their belts. And then the third has really been issues of racial injustice and equity. And so last year we had begun an effort a couple of years ago to start more intentionally looking at equity issues. And we went to our funder uh, that provides funding for the grant program and basically uh, made some changes to our grant program to waive the matching requirement in uh, low-income neighborhoods so that groups were not shut out of that program and committed a third of our total grant pool to be spent in those areas alone. And that wasn't the ceiling for the amount of money going into low-income areas, but it was really the floor. So Mm -hmm. as governments investing in some of those park improvements or other foundations, it gives us the chance to go beyond that third commitment. And so the thing I'm most proud of out of the parks that are the highlighted communities that received our grants, we committed to a third of the total grant pool going to low-income neighborhoods, but 53% of the total grant pool actually went to those community development impact areas. So these are, again, lower-income neighborhoods throughout our service area. So I think that that's been an an important shift. The other thing is we have uh, recipients within all of our different areas, so though I think we're doing more to make sure that communities that before um, had barriers to entry, we're still making it so every community can participate. And different communities have different advantages to raise dollars, so we expect them to bring dollars to the table. But the main point here is that we're trying to share the love all throughout our service area and all going towards the idea that every person within our service area deserves access to a park that's accessible. And right now in the city of Atlanta, a third of Atlantans do not live within a 10-minute walk of a park. If you go back about 10 years, it was around half. So Mm -hmm. we're making some progress and actually closing that that gap. But we also have some work to do. And then not just the access issue, the question is whether or not you want to go there. So just because you have access to a park doesn't mean that it's the park that meets your needs. Mm -hmm. So that's where we really come in, not just looking at kind of the access question, but really the quality that we want people to have a good experience in parks and make it so uh, going to a park in your neighborhood is a place that you'll want to go back to. Well, we commend you on that effort because we all know this is not rocket science to understand that that those distressed communities really, really benefit Mm -hmm. from having a a place like that to go to and and build community and take pride in their communities. So uh, uh, amazing work. So what else are you looking forward to uh, as we look ahead for the balance of 2021? 
You know, I, I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to is seeing a change from the status quo. Uh, you alluded to kind of getting beyond this situation that we're all shut up in our homes. And for Martin Luther King holiday, we had a day on where we actually got out there on small scale projects to go out and volunteer in parks. Now, before the pandemic, Park Pride, in addition to doing smaller neighborhood style neighborhood cleanups, we did large corporate events where we would have corporate groups and churches that would bring 100 or 200 people out to do a cleanup. And that's something that we have not been able to do since the pandemic. And I don't see us returning to those large scale events, but we have gotten pretty good at doing socially distant, small groups of 10, doing volunteer cleanups. And I do feel like as the year goes on and we get beyond the spike, again, as we look at kids being back in school and that kind of thing, the idea of get people putting some sweat equity in their parks and again, being safe, wearing masks as we need to and while that continues, but really outdoors is much safer than indoors anyway. And then if you actually get out there and you know practice social distancing and wear a mask, um, it's among the safest things you, you can do. And so our staff participated in volunteer projects for Martin Luther King Day. We have not been doing them every week as we've been doing before, but I see us returning to that in a very careful, measured response. And I will tell you that the reward in both you're getting access to nature, you're getting good exercise, but also with all these people using their parks, they really need this love and attention. So you're also giving back to the community. And so I really see that being something that will be much more a part of 2021 than it was in 2020. And I'm really excited about that. And I think similar to what we were doing before with people just getting out to parks and then starting once they start to look around in their parks, figuring out how they can do more. I really see these volunteer projects as one of those places that gets people involved. It gets a point to under, know who my neighbors are. It gets to a point of saying what we could do at our park. You start learning if this neighborhood over here got a park pride grant, maybe we could too. So I really hope that we will be doing even more of this. And again, I think that Park Pride has found that small is beautiful. And if anything, we've had this inversion of the park's hierarchy. So the stuff that was the most important was the one big park. And now what's really important is parks for everybody where they live. So I would like nothing more than to spread those dollars even further for smaller grants, more distributed to communities that are a part of the change they wish to see in the world. Love it. I strongly believe that a park is the hub of a community. So yeah. uh, the more we can invest and build fellowship and community around it, the better. All right. Well, Michael, sadly, we're running low on time. So before we let you go, a couple of things. How can people connect with you if they want to reach out to you, learn more about Park Pride, make put in for a grant, uh, walk us through all those that, that information? So first off, our website, parkpride.org, is where you can find out about the Friends of the Park program, find out if there is a friends group for your park and to connect. With them, we have a number of different programs as well. May 4th, we'll have our, our virtual conference where the theme is the new case park. So if you're looking for kind of how parks have changed within these cascading issues that I mentioned, uh, we'll be bringing in national speakers. And we typically have done this event in the past, the Botanical Gardens, with around 500 people. We had 500 people that were part of our virtual conference in 2020 and we aim to put that together again this year. There are sponsorship opportunities there, uh, but a great chance to kind of get in on the ground floor and learn all you ever wanted to know about parks. 
go to our website at parkpride.org. You can also send me an email at michael at parkpride.org. Also look me up, Michael Hallecky at Facebook. And I would encourage folks to follow me because you will find all kinds of crazy parks you never even knew about. And more than anything, I would just encourage people to get out there. There's a, a great book by a guy named Jonah McDonald that's called Hiking Atlanta's Hidden Forest. And it's a great uh, treasure trove of parks inside 285 and outside 285, many of them being parks we work, work with. But the point here is there are lots of undiscovered places you've never been to before. And this is the time to go there. You don't want to go to the park everyone's going to. Go out and connect with nature and discover some hidden gem and then discreetly spread the word to your friends and neighbors to check it out. Outstanding. Michael Hallecky, the executive director of Park Pride. Michael, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your important work. Thank you. All right. That wraps this week's Around Atlanta edition. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan, I am Todd Schnick. Thanks to you for uh, tuning in and listening today. That's all the time that we have. We look forward to seeing you again right here next week. We'll see you then. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.